0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui at Upper Hand Fantasy on Instagram. Wanted to give you part one of the week five preview, week five matchups, uh, week five plays, going over the usage and some trends that we see, uh, you know, as we go over these players. Um, and, you know, m- what I've been trying to do over the past couple weeks is just kind of keep it short and sweet. So I'm going to be going over eight games today. Hopefully, I'll be done with that in 20 minutes. You'll get another eight games tomorrow on Friday uh, in another about 20 minutes or so. Uh, and you can kind of get the entire landscape and the matchups and g- get a good idea uh, of, you know, you know who you should put in your lineup in about 40, 45 minutes. So that's what I'm trying to do. That's my goal. So let's get right into it. Let's talk about the Rams and Seahawks tonight. Thursday night game, 54 and a half over under. Uh, see, the Rams are favored by one and a half points right now. Uh, Daryl Henderson's role in his week four return was what you wanted to see if you have Henderson. He played 90% of snaps, ran a route on 68% of Matt Stafford's dropbacks. Uh, He's the goal line back. He's the passing down back. His role is one of a high-end RB1. The matchup this week is great too. Derrick Henry obviously ran all over the Seahawks, but Trey Sermon was able to do his thing last week, Alexander Madison the week before. So Daryl Henderson is in your lineup this week. Cooper Cup 10-plus targets in every game this season, saw 13 last week. He also happens to have the best matchup of the Rams' wide receivers, of course. Um, The Seahawks are giving up the six most fantasy points to slot wide receivers uh, over the first four weeks. Um, Now, can Robert Woods bounce back this week? You know, he will at some point. We just don't know when. 16% target share in Week 3, 15% in Week 4. That's not going to get it done. Uh, Sean McVay said that, you know, they're going to try to get him the ball, but, you know, we'll see. Shalmavez has a lot of things, but he's a wide receiver three until his target share goes up. It's a good matchup. You know, it's not like he's not usable. He is. Um, So he could be in your lineup as a wide receiver three this week. Uh, Matt Stafford, solid solid QB1, you know, in what Vegas views as a high-scoring game. So I'm cool starting him this week. Um... Matt Tyler Higby, low end tight end one, un- unless his routes come up. You know, it started great for him, but his routes have come down just a bit. Um, the positive for Higby is that you know this is a good offense, so the upside for a big game is always there. You know, Cooper Cup is just hogging all the targets right now. The the, C- the Seahawks aren't running a lot of plays on the other side, and that's a problem, right? In the game that we play, fantasy football, where volume is king. Russell Wilson, you know, he's turned into a low end QB one right now because of that reason. Things need to change for him to not have to depend on efficiency once again. Um, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, they have so much upside that they can get it done on efficiency. And they're so talented. Um, You know... Metcalf is being targeted at a more comfortable rate than Lockett, so he's the preferred start between the two, but these guys both have to be in lineups. Lockett actually has one of the best matchups this week, believe it or not. Um, he runs more than 50% of his routes on the right perimeter, uh, and the Rams have actually given up the second most fantasy points to wide receivers lining up on that right perimeter or, or running routes from that right perimeter. Um, now, I don't think Jalen Ramsey is going to shadow Metcalf. It can happen. Um, either way, I won't be benching him. For, like For what it's worth, Ramsey didn't shadow DeAndre Hopkins last week. He did shadow Metcalf um, three times last year, but he's playing a little bit of a different role this season. Uh, Chris Carson he has a neck injury he's going to be a game time decision make sure Alex Collins is not on the waiver wire you know make sure to pick him up where he's available you, you don't really want to be fighting for scrap you, you don't want to be fighting you know with your whole league um, on waivers if you end up needing out needing Alex Collins like one of your running backs gets hurt this weekend and you're like oh I actually needed or I could have used Alex Collins um, so I'm making sure that I pick him up if he's available Um, The Rams, you know, they seem scary, but Chase Edmonds went for 120 yards on the ground against them last week. David Montgomery ran for 100 in week one. So, you know, Collins, you know, he would be an RB2 start if Carson can go. Now, if Carson does play, if he's active, I wouldn't trust him, right? I mean, he played less than 50% of snaps for two straight weeks. And then Travis Homer has been their passing down back regardless of the role that Alice Collins is playing. Now, if Gerald Everett's back from COVID and he has been testing negative this week, but needs another negative test on Thursday, he's someone that should be picked up. You can start him, but he also didn't practice all week. I think he's someone, you know, who was on an uptrend before he got COVID and was making a little bit of a separation, creating separation between him um, and who, who's the other tight end that the Seahawks get. Oh yeah, Will Disley. All right, moving on to the Jets at Falcons. This game is going to be in London Thursday. Um, Uh, The Jets are favored, uh, no, the Falcons are favored by three and a half. I'm not sure if the line has changed, but Calvin Ridley is not going to make it in this game. I don't recommend playing any of the other wide receivers. Uh, Calvin Ridley does have a personal issue. Hopefully everything's okay, you know, with him, his family, and all that. Um, Hopefully he'll be back next week with everything okay, but um, he's going to be out, I think, you know, this really turns into Kyle Pitts. He had a 23% target share last week, which was great. You know, that that was definitely something we were looking for because it, w- it was not that great the two weeks prior. Uh He is a tight end one. You know, hopefully he can start producing in a bigger way. But with Calvin Ridley out, I do think his target share, a high target share, is more guaranteed for him this week. Same thing with Cordell Patterson. Uh He blew up last week. He's playing very well. He's a PPR RB2. Uh He's a wide receiver three as well. He has dual eligibility on a few platforms platforms but you know just keep in mind you know last week he only played on 30 percent of snaps he ran around on only 29 percent of matt ryan's dropbacks. so on a per route basis you know he's being targeted at a ridiculous rate Now, if that starts to come down, he'll be unusable. But for now, he's an efficient PPR RB2. He's racking up receptions. Uh, He's not an RB1, even though he killed it last week. I think he was the overall RB2. But if you can get, like, an RB1 for him or a wide receiver 1 for him or even a wide receiver 2 before Sunday, I'd do that. And now that that Calvin Ridley's out, you know, you might – You know, it it might be more attractive for somebody else uh, if you're giving up Cordell Patterson. I know it's very, uh, you know, enticing to use him this weekend, but I rather get a season long high, a high end season long asset, you know, and kind of give up a good play for one week. Right. Mike Davis, you know, is still getting a majority of carries. He's still getting targets. Uh, you know, just not last week when it came to targets, but his route participation was higher last week than any other week this season. is much higher than Patterson. Uh he's still in low end RB2 in RB two and PPR leagues, so I would give him a slight bump in this matchup because Calvin really is out. So I think they'll depend more on their running game and on their running backs, uh, you know, especially in terms of targets. Okay, on the other side of the ball. Um, Zach Wilson might have all his weapons back. Jameson Crowder, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore. And they have a pretty good matchup. Davis and Moore have the best matchups on the perimeter. Uh, the Falcons are giving up the third most fantasy points there. Um, but you know, Corey Davis specifically on the left side, giving up the second most fantasy points on the left perimeter. So I'd start Davis as a high and wide receiver three this week. Crowder as a low and wide receiver three. Moore is an upside flex option if you're desperate because of the matchup and because his usage before he got concussed in week three was really, really good. Like he was on his way to killing it in that game and getting a bunch of targets so we'll see you know with him potentially back this week if zach wilson favors him you know potentially over all three wide receivers that's something to look out for all right moving on to the dolphins at bucks there is no startable running back in the dolphins backfield miles gaskin played only 23 percent of snaps last week malcolm brown had all the important roles so we'll see if there's a two-week trend with brown or if gaskin can you know can work his way back, but for now, especially against the Bucks, I'm good. I'm gonna stay in away. Will Fuller placed on short-term IR uh, with a broken hand. He'll be out three weeks at least. Uh, target share has flip-flopped between Jalen Waddle and Devante Parker over the last two weeks. We know that this matchup is good, especially for Parker. Um, the Bucks have given up the most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers and the most fantasy points overall to wide receivers. So I'd say that both of these guys, low-end wide receiver threes, with upside this week. Mike Gusecki, 28% target share in Week 3, 20% tar- target share in Week 4. So very solid for a tight end. He's a good streamer this week. This is a good matchup. Kyle Pitts, Tyler Higbee all had good games against the Bucs. Uh, or I so say both had good games against the Bucks. And you have Hunter Henry, John Smith, both had touchdowns against them in the same game. So solid streamer, Mike Gusecki. Uh, Antonio Brown on the other side of the ball, ha- you know, has the worst matchup of the three wide receivers. He runs most of his routes on Xavier, Xavier Howard's side. He can win those matchups, and he does move around a bit. So I think he's still a solid wide receiver three. Like not a matchup I'm necessarily avoiding, but I would temper expectations. The positive here is, is that he was up there with Mike Evans in target share last week with a 28% share. Uh, speaking of Mike Evans uh he runs about 75% of his routes away from Xavier Howard whether it's on the left perimeter or in the slot um you know because you know Xavier Howard usually chills on that right perimeter there you know the offense's right perimeter um but Miami is allowing the 10th and 8th most fantasy points to slot to, to wide receivers um on the left side and on the slot respectively so Godwin has a good matchup as well for the same reason uh both of those guys are wide receiver twos for me Now, Leonard Fournette played over 80% of snaps with Gio Bernard missing this past week. Playing that many snaps also means he took some work away from Ronald Jones. Um, But, you know, as we've seen before, last year, Ronald Jones can all of a sudden see 20 touches the following week. You know, but as long as Gio is out, I think Fournette will get the receiving work. um, And that gives him enough footing to be a PPR RB2 with RB1 upside. Now, if Gio, this is a great matchup, by the way. So, if Gio is out, I would definitely want to play Fournette. Now, if Geo plays and gets a full prize on some point this week, maybe on Friday, I'd be wary of Fournette. Um, but I'd be okay starting him as a PPR flex if I have a feeling that Geo is still banged up and won't get his full receiving role right away. So you can make that judgment there. Um, if Gronk is out again, I wouldn't feel comfortable starting Cameron Brait. Uh, OJ Howard did get an increase in snaps with Gronk out. If Gronk does play, I think I would probably rank him as like a low-end, tight-end one if he's not 100%. All right, Eagles and Panthers. Um, The Panthers are favored by four in this game, 45 and a half total. Um, Start Jalen Hurts. He's the quarterback three on the year, only behind Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray. He's in. All right, what do you do with Miles Sanders? This guy's really good with the ball in his hands, right? Especially, you know, look, look what he's doing in the passing game, averaging like 10 yards per reception. That's pretty good for a running back. He's averaging like three catches a game, which is good, so he's not a complete dud in PPR. Um, but this team does like to drop back on most plays. He's getting around 65% of snaps or so. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell is the guy coming in on two-minute situations. So I'm, I'm viewing Sanders, you know, as a high-end flex right now. And, and it's sad, right? If you don't have many options, I, I get not playing him. But the upside is only there if he takes one to the house, especially with Kenny Gainwell having his own red zone packages. You know, he's not necessarily the goal back Gainwell, but these running backs, you know, aren't even taking carries inside the five yet. Through four weeks, so it's a bit dicey right now. Uh, Kenny Gamewell had a good week last week, but if the game script was, you know, um, if the game script isn't, you know, in, you know, looking like what it was last week with the Eagles down, um, you know, he's probably not going to see the field as much, get as many targets. Um, So I leave him on my bench personally. Now, I talked about not giving up on Devontae Smith before last week I, after a dreadful Week 3, uh, and that came to fruition. His usage was great. Uh, it turned into production in a good matchup last week, going over 100 yards. This week, his matchup isn't the best, particularly on that left side, but we'll see what Carolina does on the other side. Now that C.J. Henderson is new in town after the J.C. Horn injury, um, I think Devontae you know, can definitely take advantage of that right side that's been their more more vulnerable side. I'd say Smith is still a solid wide receiver three this week. He saw 24% of target share last week, nearly 50% of the air yards. He should be all right. Now, if you're starting Dallas Goddard, you're basically hoping for a touchdown. Zach Ertz saw two straight weeks of 17% target share. That's startable in PPR, but that's about it. On the other side, Sam Darnold, QB5 in the year. Those rushing touchdowns are really helping out. DJ Moore, balling right now. He's a wide receiver one. I thought he was going to have a tough matchup last week you know he didn't care right he's matchup proof at this point robbie anderson woke up from the dead not in terms of production but in terms of targets 11 targets last week accounted for 29 percent of targets after getting 14 percent in week two six percent in week three so is this going to be a trend who knows not starting him just yet but i'd monitor this situation to see you know if this becomes a two week trend there's a chance christian McCaffrey plays this week after getting a limited practice in on wednesday and on thursday um, I wouldn't drop Chuba Hubbard just yet, and I would even hold uh, Chuba Hubbard even if McCaffrey does play because if he's coming back after a one-week absence from a hamstring injury, those soft tissue injuries have a possibility of popping back up and reaggravating. So I'm playing McCaffrey if he's active and playing Hubbard as an RB2 uh, if he doesn't. The Eagles have allowed the second-most rushing yards, two running backs, only five yards behind Seattle, and on 11 less attempts. And If you're wondering about Tommy Tremble, uh, after they traded away Dan Arnold, he he shared passing down work. I'm sorry, passing work with Ian Thomas. Um, they're kind of splitting reps in, turn of, in terms of routes run. So there's really nothing to see here right now. All right, moving on to the Saints and Washington football team. Uh, the Saints are favored uh, by one point, 44 and a half total. Um, on the Saints side, I'm only starting Alvin Kamara, starting him as an RB1. Tony Jones will be out a few weeks. Uh, Kamara is going to get pretty much every snap. (laughs) Unfortunately, he's not involved in the pass game as much as we're used to, but he's averaging 25 carries over the last two weeks. Not the best matchup in the world, but he's a volume play with obvious game breaking ability. So, um, I'm, I'm starting him and that's about it for the saints. Antonio Gibson, long touchdown reception in week three right not last week but you know it can happen this week but there are a few things working against him this week one is that the Saints are giving up less than 3 yards per carry another that he's averaging only 13 carries and two targets over the last three games in in two wins where the game script was supposed to work for him he got 13 carries and 14 carries so not great if there was more evidence that he could potentially rack up 20 carries maybe he'd be an RB2 for me this week but he gets knocked down to a flex play for me in this matchup um yeah, now Terry McLaurin, 32% target share on this season, 39% last week. Marshawn Lattimore, Schmarshawn Lattimore. Terry McLaurin's in your lineup as a wide receiver one. The Saints are giving up the fifth most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers. Do it. Now, Curtis Samuel was targeted on more than 30% of his routes run last week. He didn't run a ton of routes. I think he ran like 13 routes targeted on like five of them or something like that. Um, But the fact that he was targeted, you know, when he was running routes is a great sign for when he does, you know, finally run a full complement of routes. I'm not starting him, but we could potentially see those routes jump up to near full participation, hopefully as soon as this week. Now, Logan Thomas was placed on short-term IR. I'm okay dropping him if you don't have an IR spot. Ricky Seals-Jones pretty much played every snap, ran almost every route that he was supposed to run in Thomas' absence. So he's a desperate streamer if you need one. Alright, moving on to the Titans and Jaguars. A.J. Brown might play this week after he got limited practices in last week. Uh, I'm sorry, limited practices in this week, uh, Wednesday and Thursday. If he plays, he's in your lineup as a wide receiver one, especially because of the matchup and because of the fact that Julio also might not play this week. He didn't practice yet. So I'm monitoring his practice status on Friday. Obviously, you go on to monitor A.J. Brown's as well. Um, It's a great matchup. Hopefully, A.J. Brown can finally have his breakout game that we've been waiting for this year. Derrick Henry, obviously in. I'm also fine starting Ryan Tannehill as a low-end QB1 if AJ Brown does play. Otherwise, I'd be iffy about it, even with the matchup. Marvin Jones didn't come through for you last week in a great matchup, but he was getting a 25% target share coming into Week Four. He's still at 23%, and now DJ Shark is out for the year, so you know he will run most of his perimeter routes against Janoris Jenkins. But he'll also see Christian Fulton on the other on the other side, um, and Chris Jackson in the slot more than 50% of the time overall on his routes. So you know Titans have given up the most fantasy points to wide receivers running routes from the left perimeter the most and the third most fantasy points to slot wide receivers. And that slot number is very important to DJ Shark who runs more than 80% of his routes from the slot. So he gets bumped to a wide receiver three now because of that and because of uh shark not being in the pitcher. I'm sorry that that's it shark that slot number is very important for Levisco Chenault. <laughs> sorry who runs who's running more than 80% of his routes from the slot. Um, so yeah, now Carlos Hyde is practicing in full, which makes James Robinson interesting this week. Um, Robinson saw 95% of snaps in week one, week four, which is amazing, right? If that continues, he's a RB1. If Hyde continues to take away work from him, you know, and it depends on how much it can knock Robinson down significantly. I'd treat Robinson as an RB2 this week, kind of in the middle of... Um, you know, maybe a mid-RB2 or so, our temper expectations, you know, more so because Carlos Hyde was not a healthy scratch last week and that he had a shoulder issue. Now, we can call bullshit on the shoulder issue if Hyde doesn't get much work this week. So, you know, uh, Robinson's going to be in this week for me as an RB2. It's as a neutral matchup uh, in terms of the Titans here. Now, Trevor Lawrence becomes... Uh, a bit more interesting now that he has some design runs in his game. I, I want to see if it continues to be a, a part of the weekly game plan before I go ahead and start putting him in my lineup. But for now, he's a QB two. Lions and Vikings. Vikings favored by 8 points, 50-point total. TJ Hawkinson's target share uh, you know, jumped back up to 22% last week. He's at 19% for the year. He's running around on almost every drop back. Very good usage. I'm continuing to play him as like a high end tight end one. DeAndre Swift is an RB1. I know Jamal Williams had more carries than him last week, but he has taken over the passing down role uh, last week. He played on 73% of snaps. That's the role you want on an offense that will continually be playing catch up. And the Vikings are favored by 8 points in this game. He's also getting almost all the short yardage work as of last week, so he's going to be in line for goal line touchdowns. Maybe not 100% of it, but a lot of it. Jamal Williams is a flex option in 12 team leagues or larger. Now, if you're looking for a sleeper at wide receiver, I think Quintes Cephas can be a sleeper this week. He's going up against Bashar Breland on that right side more often than not, and the Vikings have given up, given up the 7th most fantasy points to wide receivers on that side. Uh, they were giving up the most fantasy points you know, before they did a decent job with the Browns and Odell Beckham Jr. last week. And we know that volume is going to be there for the Lions in terms of overall attempts. 50-point total, like I said, so something to think about. Kirk Cousins, good play this week, QB1, especially with Dalvin Cook, maybe limited a bit. You know, speaking of Cook, I wish he took last week off. Now he's hobbled again, might play through it. It's this constant cycle, right? Just rest one game, dude, you know, and be back 100% the week after. Now, hopefully, you know, you don't come out of this game at halftime again, right? Um, but, but you got to play him if he's active. Those are the rules, and he's probably going to be active this week. Justin Jefferson is a wide receiver one, starting him this week. Adam Thielen has a good matchup on that right side. Um, they The Lions have given up, given up the 10th most fantasy points on that right perimeter. He's in your lineup as a wide receiver two, Above 20% target share in every game this year. That's what you want to see. Not what we saw from Thielen last year, so this is good. Tyler Conklin's route participation went up this week to over 70%. Um, he was at or above 20% target share for the second straight week as well. So he can, again, be a solid streamer once again this week. Moving on to the Broncos at the Steelers. Low-scoring game here, according to Vegas. Steelers are favored by 1.40 and a half uh, point total here. Now the Steelers are past funnel, meaning they have a tough rush defense, but they give up a ton of production through the air. Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams are both flex plays if you're desperate. They're both sharing an almost equal load right now. Uh, it looks like Teddy Bridgewater is on pace to complete the concussion protocol. He is practicing. Um, it's possible that he he moves through it. Colton Sutton, Tim Patrick both have great matchups this week. The Steelers are giving up the six most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers. I'd have Sutton as a high-end wide receiver 3 this week, and Patrick has a as a high-end uh, flex option. Noah Fant's target share boomed to 28% last week, which is great. His routes went up a ton as well, so his usage is going up. Let's see if it sticks around as a, as a two-week trend here. Deontay Johnson on the other side of the ball, he's in as a high-end wide receiver too. You saw the touchdown. He was able to grab against Jair Alexander last week, so there's not many matchups you'd fade him in, right? Denver has been giving up the 12th most fantasy points, to perimeter wide receivers, believe it or not, So you know, and they've been doing it on either side of the formation. Deontay, so I don't feel comfortable starting Juju right now, especially with the matchup. The Broncos are strong against the slot with Bryce Callahan in the nickel. Uh, Chase Claypool, if he's back, he's a flex option on the outside. Najee Harris getting ridiculous volume, so I'm continuing to start him as an RB1 despite the tough matchup on the ground. It's really about those targets with him. He caught another six targets. Uh, he, I'm sorry, yeah, he caught another six balls last week on seven targets, so that's legit. All right, that's eight games. Going to drop another eight games tomorrow on Friday. Stay tuned for that. Uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow. I hope you guys uh, have a great Thursday night. Enjoy the game. I'm Faraz at Upper Hand Fantasy on Instagram. Just make sure you, you check me out there. Follow me there. Rate the podcast if you can. All that good stuff, that'll help me out. See you guys tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye.